Turn to the person next to you and say, let's get ready to receive tonight what God has for us. And as you do, I just want to invite you to close your eyes. Why don't we pray and invite God's presence here? Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We pray tonight that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would speak to us. Speak to us deep into our hearts and change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Amen. Well, last month we were looking at, does anyone remember? What last month we were looking at? Not last week, last month. Prayer. Amen. Very good. And this month, we started looking at the theme of being a warrior or spiritual warfare. And that is the next step to prayer because as Pastor Caesar spoke last week, if you were here last week, if not, you can hear his message online, g12church.com. Incredible message, but he opened up the Bible to us to understand that there is a battle, that we're in a spiritual battle, and that we need to fight to get free and to free others. And obviously, with any battle, there has to be two different sides. And we can't forget as Christians that there is an enemy. There is a devil, and he's out to get us. The Bible says that the devil has come to rob, destroy, and to kill. That is his mission on this earth. But it's our mission to fight back through the authority that God has given us. But in order to do that, we have to become soldiers, spiritual soldiers, Say to the person next to you, are you ready to become a spiritual soldier? You may be thinking, oh, I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) You may not have signed up for it, but the devil doesn't really care. He doesn't care if you signed up for it or not. The moment you say, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow Jesus, you become part of the battle. And the enemy rise up to do everything he can to try and tear you away from what God wants for you. Why? Because what God wants for you is for you to be a blessing to others. For you to share what God has given you to others. For you to multiply, it's called. To increase so that others can also receive the blessings that you have received. And the enemy's mission is to stop you from doing that. And that's why it's so important to understand the battle, but then also understand what we need to do to be ready, to be soldiers, to have the right type of training. And tonight I want to look a bit about that. But I want to look not just at the training, but at the trainer. How many of you here have ever been to the gym before? How many of you have ever exercised before? How many of you are the kind of person who, you know, January 1st, you're like, oh, I'm going to change, I'm going to become fit, and then nothing ever happens, or you go to the gym like twice, and then you stop going? It's because there's two types of people in this world. There are those who are motivated, 
and those who need motivation. And the majority of us, that's the truth. Well, we all need some kind of motivation. But a lot of the times, the motivation of receiving what we get isn't enough to get us there. In other words, the motivation of seeing all the other guys in the gym with their 20-pack and their massive muscles, and you're like, that seems so far off. When am I ever going to get there? Maybe you're, you're that guy, and you're like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but often the motivation isn't enough to get us there. We need something else. We need somebody to motivate us. And it's the same with our walk with God. We need someone to help us get to where we need to be. Without that somebody, we will never reach where we want to be or where we need to be as Christians. And so I want to read a passage out to you tonight. It's in John chapter 16 and verse 13. And it's Jesus speaking and he says this. Jesus said, When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Notice this passage says, when he, the spirit of truth. Who am I talking about? Who is our great trainer? Who is the one who is going to get us to the goal? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a he. He's a person. He's not some weird cloud that sometimes comes down when we worship and you feel the presence. He's a person. He's God on this earth. And he has come, as this passage says, to guide us in what? In truth. Say to the person next to you, the Holy Spirit came to guide me in truth. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. The Holy Spirit has come to guide me in truth. Amen. Wow, maybe that was too long. You guys are a little like sleepy or something, I don't know. How many of you want to get to where God wants you? Amen. The only way you'll do it is with the guide, the Holy Spirit. And tonight... That's what I want to share with you about the Holy Spirit, the one who guides us. But what is the thing that he guides us in? What does it say in this passage? Anyone read it or listened to me? Truth. Truth. What does that speak to us of? That this is a battle of truths and lies. This is a war between the truth And between a lie. Until you understand the truth, you will never overcome the enemy. Until you get a hold of the truth and you understand it, you will never overcome the enemy. Because you will constantly be stuck in the lies of the devil. The truth is like the basis of everything we do. 
It's the basis of our training. It's the basis of being a Christian. It's the basis of your life. If you base your life on truth, what will the result be? If you base your life on truth, the result will be success. The result will be what God has for you. But if you base your life on a lie, what will the result be? Pain, suffering, insecurity. So many people live their lives based on a lie. They may not even realize it. A lie that may be entered into their life when they were younger, when they were in high school, and someone said something mean to them. Pretty sure we all had someone say something mean to us in high school. <laughs> you all know that. <laughs> because I don't know what it is, but high school is mean. It has a way of getting under your skin, the things that your friends even say to you, the things that people say to you. But the, the question is whether you base your life on that or not. So many people base their life on a lie. And it manifests itself in something called insecurity. Now, insecurity comes out in two ways. And I'm willing to bet that most of you here tonight have an insecurity in somewhere in your life. That is a result of a lie that somebody spoke over you or that you believed yourself. And an insecurity manifests itself in one of two ways. One way is in fear. And a person becomes so insecure and fearful of what everyone else thinks of them that they shut themselves off. That they're kind of mean to other people. That every time they meet someone, they can't possibly imagine that that person could actually like them. On the other hand, it could be bravado, macho. The kind of person that thinks they're better than everyone else, but deep down inside, they know they're not. They say words that hurt other people because it makes them feel better. But deep down inside, there's something that's going around inside of you, and it's called a lie. The Bible says the, the, the devil is the father of lies. Every lie comes from him. If you base your life on a lie, you're handing yourself over to the devil. For him to begin to control your life. You will never be a soldier in God's army if there are lies in your thinking or in your life. If there are insecurities, the only way is to base your life on the truth. And I want to tell you of one great truth. I don't want to tell you of 10 great truths in the Bible or 100. I just want to speak to you tonight of one great truth. That if you understand it, that if you get it into your head, it will change everything for you. What could I be talking about? Turn to the person next to you and say, one great truth. What is the one great truth that will change your life? What could it possibly be 
We find it in the Bible, surprisingly enough. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, one of the great verses of the Bible, and I want to take a moment for all of us to learn this today, because this verse you may have heard a billion times before, but until you understand it and you base your life upon it, it will not make any difference to you. So I want you to get your cell phone out, your Bible, whatever it might be. Find that verse, Ephesians 2 verse 8. Everyone in this place, grab your cell phone, your Bible. Ephesians 2 verse 8. And then once you have it, you can wave your your phone or your Bible. Okay, like three people have it. Who else? Someone actually has a Bible back there. I really like that. That's cool. Amen. Okay, once you have it, I want to invite you to stand. To stand up on your feet. Everyone in this place. <clears throat> if you have that, that passage. Ephesians 2 verse 8. And we're going to read it out all together. Are you ready? Amen. If you're ready, say amen. Amen. Come on. You can, you can help me out a little bit here tonight. Give me some response, feedback, so that I can see the lights are so bright. I don't even know if you're out there. So if you have it, say amen. Amen. Okay, let's do it. On three, one, two, three. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You can keep going. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now this is what we're going to do. With the person next to you, I'm going to give you two minutes to try and learn that verse off by heart. Two minutes to try and learn that verse off by heart completely so that you don't Forget it. Maybe we can have a little bit of music, just really quietly. best way I find is to repeat it with maybe actions or things that help you like get it into your mind. Okay, 30 more seconds. Okay, 10 more seconds. Sounds like someone over here has got it roughly. 
Okay. Okay, stop right there. Let's all stand. I want you to put your Bible away, put your phone away. And we're going to try and say this all together with a really loud voice. And you're going to have to help me because you can probably tell I got a cold this week. Oh, so my voice is like, eh. <laughs> so you guys are going to help me out here tonight, okay? In fact, maybe I'm going to pick on someone to come help me at the front. Who thinks they know it? Who thinks they have it, like, nailed? Caddo over here. Okay, Caddo, come on up. Yeah, I saw that hand. <clears throat> the King James Version with these and thous. Okay, okay. Well, let's see if Caddo can do it on her own and then maybe... Okay, or you want to just lead everyone in it? Okay. For by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Oh, round of applause. Okay, anyone else think they've got it? And then we're going to do it all together. She was like biting her nails. You that nervous? Just try it. Okay, um, this is the ESV version. So it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not your own doing but the gift of God. Amen. Good job. Round of applause. Anyone else? What did I pick on one of you guys right now? They're like, no, please, no. Okay, let's do it all together. <clears throat> Are you guys ready? We'll try and at least do it as a group. So I'm going to count to three. Ready? One, two, three. For it is by grace that you have been saved. And it is not by faith. It is not your own doing, but it is a gift of God. Okay, let's try it again. My voice is going... One, two, three. For by grace you have been saved through faith and is not by your own doing, but is a gift of God. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause. So you can take your seats. This is one of the truths of the Bible that you have to base your life on because the problem is the greatest weapon of the enemy that he has against you is guilt. That is his biggest weapon, guilt. To try and make you feel bad for the things that you've done. The problem is it's a lie. And it goes against this very passage. And it comes back to something that is so key to the whole message of the Bible. And it's the difference between the law and grace. Now, so many Christians think that, that it's a mix. Or maybe they don't think, but they still mix it. They mix a little bit of law with a little bit of grace. And it's so hard to get out of thinking that it's the law that saves us and stepping into the truth that it's grace that saves us. And so we think, okay, God, grace, 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 but there's got to be a little bit of law. So we have our own little rule book. And every time we break it, we beat ourselves up. Every time we do something wrong, we feel bad for weeks on end, and we can't seem to get out of this cycle. 
problem is we often don't understand what each one is. So I want to tell you here tonight the difference between law and grace. The law is this. It's a set of rules that you must keep. And if you keep all the rules, all of the time, you achieve righteousness. And that righteousness gets you into heaven. I'm going to say that to you again. The law is a set of rules. Do this, don't do that. That in order to be righteous, you have to keep those rules, every single one of them, all of the time. That's the law. Now, according to that definition, how many of us here would get into heaven? Not one of us. Because I'm sure that there's at least a little tiny rule or law that we've broken somewhere along the way. Game over. So if that's the law, what's grace? Grace, on the other hand, is something that we cannot earn. Grace is received from God only by one way, as described in that passage that we just learned. Through faith. Believing that God is a gracious God and that he accepts us. So many people struggle to believe that. So many people struggle to believe that God is a gracious God and that he will actually forgive you. Yet it's one of the most important truths of the Bible. And without it, you can't receive salvation. You can't get righteousness. You can't do it with a little bit of law and a little bit of grace. It doesn't work. It's either or. It's one or the other. You either pick law or you pick grace. Which one are you going to choose? Which one are you going to choose? The law or grace? And I want to tell you tonight, that's what makes Christianity so different from every other religion in the world. I studied theology at university. So I studied a lot of different religions. How they work, what people do in them, why they do them. And in my knowledge, in my studying, I have never found another religion like Christianity. And it comes down to this. Every other religion works under a system of law. In other words, you have to do something to get salvation. You have to do something good to get salvation. You have to complete some rules to get into heaven or to go on to the next level if it's karma or whatever it might be. Christianity doesn't work like that. The only way is by God's grace and by you accepting it through faith. Until you understand that, your life will be based on a lie. Every time you wake up in the morning, the enemy will point a finger and say, you are not worthy. You can do nothing for God. You cannot stand up in the morning without feeling bad about yourself. 
That's what the enemy will try and tell you. But God's grace says it doesn't matter. Maybe you aren't worthy. Maybe you haven't fulfilled the law, but it doesn't matter. Because my grace is enough, God says. My grace is enough for any one of you to forgive you, to raise you up, to give you a new life. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop right there because if it did, we would all stay spiritual babies. The moment you accept God's grace over your life and you reject the law, you reject what the devil is lying to you about, the Bible says you are born of the Spirit in John chapter 3. So you start a life with God as a, as a new baby. A month ago, or just over a month ago, we had our third child. Baby Chloe, she's called. Um, she's down here at the front if you want to say hi at the end. On number three in five years, our goal is six. We'll see how that goes. I'm pretty excited. I love kids. But as a, as a parent... When you have a baby, you expect the baby to grow. If a baby isn't growing, the doctors are going to start wondering what's going on. Is the baby eating properly? Does the baby have a condition? And the doctors will start to make a diagnosis to try and figure out what is wrong with the baby because it's not growing. The problem with the church is that it's often full of babies. And there's no diagnosis. Every time something goes wrong... The binky falls out our mouths and we go, (laughs) where's my leader? Where's my parent to help me, to pick me up, to make me feel better, to give me some spiritual milk and put in the binky? And we stay like that for years. The church is full of spiritual babies that never grow. And God is sat there thinking, what is wrong? There's something wrong. Because a baby must grow into an adult. You can't stay where you are. So how do you grow? How do you grow in God to become mature? In Romans chapter 8 verse 14, it says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The key to growth is in this passage. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, if you look at that passage and you look at several words in it, you find out some keys, some truths to growing in God. The first one is this. That word for led is in the present. Now, in the Greek, the language works a bit differently, but it basically means For all those who are regularly led by the Holy Spirit, who keep on being led by the Holy Spirit, who are led by the Holy Spirit every day. If you want to grow in your walk with God, if you want to become a soldier, if you want to stand up on the truth, if you want to be someone who makes a difference on this earth, the key 
is to being led regularly by your trainer, the Holy Spirit. If you don't do that, you stay as a baby for the rest of your life. The second part, it says that if you're regularly led by the Spirit of God, you are sons of God. That word for sons doesn't mean a little child. It means a mature son, a grown-up man or woman of God, somebody who is ready to assume what God wants us to do in our lives. The key is to be regularly led by the Holy Spirit. And I want to finish by reading a, a parable out to you about that, how it works, how it works, how it, what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because when you step into grace, should you then continue sinning? No. The Bible says by no means. And so you're not living in the law. You're living under grace. So how then do you stop living in sin? If sin is still trying to get a hold of your life, if sin is still trying to change you and shape you and make you a different person, or if the devil is still trying to blame you and make you feel terrible about the things that you do wrong, how then do you live under grace? By being led by the Holy Spirit. The key word is this, by yielding to the Spirit of God. And it works like this. This parable concerns a map and a guide. A map and a guide. Now imagine that you are on a journey. And your journey is to a distant land. Far away. Now here nobody, this is like an, maybe an older parable. If we apply it today, imagine you're driving across the United States with your GPS. But in this story, you're, you're walking. Nobody uses maps anymore. They just get Google Maps. But in this parable, it's a walk. It's a, it's a journey across a country. A bit like when the, the very first, um, what do you call them? Pilgrims came to the United States. I don't know. I'm from England, so I'm following in their footsteps. But the very first people came to come, you know, to the United States, and they had to travel from one side to the other, a long journey that they don't know what's going to go. Now, you set off on this journey, and there's a choice before you go. They say you can take a map, or you can choose a guide to take you. And you, you look up, and you see the road ahead, and there's a nice paved road. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. And you think to yourself, you know what, I'm pretty good at reading maps. I think I quite enjoy this on my own. I'll take the map, please. So you get a hold of the map and you start on your way. And, oh, this is easy. I just follow this road all the way there until maybe a few days later, you find yourself in the middle of a jungle. I don't know if you've ever been in a jungle before, but there's trees covering everything. You see, I guess being in a jungle is kind of funny. There's trees covering everything you see. You don't know where north, south, east, or west is. You're completely lost. You have no idea where you are on the map. And in that moment, you wish you had chosen the guide. You're thinking, why did I pick the map? Why did I not take the guide? 
and you start to cry out. Maybe they hear you. Maybe the guide is nearby and he can hear you say, help, I'm lost. And the guide appears. Says, hey, don't worry. I'll get you out. I'll show you where to go. And he takes you by the hand and leads you out of this jungle onto the next stage. And then you're back on the road. You're back on the hills. Everything's open again. And you're walking along and thinking, you know what? Maybe I was just overreacting a little bit. Maybe I was getting stressed for nothing, freaking out for no reason. I don't need the guide anymore. Maybe I'll do well with the map. And you look around to tell the guy that you don't need him anymore, and he's gone. Okay, never mind. Next thing you know, a few days later, you're at the edge of a cliff. It's pouring with rain, lightning striking. Seems like the sky is falling on your head, and you have no idea how to get off without falling off this cliff. And you begin to cry out again for the guide and say, where are you? I need you. Help me. And the guide appears again. This time you feel kind of bad because you felt like you didn't need him the last time. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Please, I'll follow you wherever. And it happens over and over again until you get to the point where you're like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with the guide because he knows where to go. And you look to him and you say, why don't you take the map? And you can show me where to go. And the guide looks at you and says, don't worry, I don't need the map. I made it. It's my map. I know where to go. Follow me. That's exactly what it means to live life by the Spirit. The map is the law. The law is good, the Bible says. But you never know how to read it properly or do what it says without the help of the guide. You need the Holy Spirit in your life to lead you, to take you where you're going. Maybe you found yourself in terrible situations and it's in those moments you've cried out to God. And then when you get out of them, you're like, oh, I was just overreacting a little bit. It wasn't that bad. I'll be okay until the next crisis. And you live from crisis to crisis. And in fact, if you just gave your life over to God, and said, okay, you take control. You yield to the Holy Spirit and say, you show me where to go. Everything would change. I want to invite you to stand tonight. Just everyone in this place to stand. And if that's you, if you feel like you've been living, trying to figure out this map, trying to live your life according to a map, but it has got you nowhere. With your eyes closed in this place, everyone with their eyes closed, if that's you, I want to invite you to lift your hand up. If you feel like you've ended up down the wrong way and you had to cry out for the Holy Spirit to help or for God to help and it happens over and over again and you're thinking, why me? Why do I always end up in this place? Why is my life not changing? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person here, for every hand that is raised. I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit that you sent to lead us. He 
you sent to lead us on the right path. God, tonight we want to choose the right thing. We want to be those who receive a trainer to show us where to go, Lord. God, I want to stop doing this in my own strength and start allowing you to show me. Just where you are, with your eyes closed, with your hearts bowed, just begin to speak to God and tell Him, God, send me your Holy Spirit. Send me the guide on my life. I don't want to keep doing this in my own strength anymore. I don't want to keep doing this trying to figure it out by myself, God. I need you. I need your Holy Spirit. Forgive me for those times when I thought that I could do it on my own. Tonight, Lord God, I want to give my life back to you. I want to give my heart to you and I want to yield everything I have to you and to your Holy Spirit. Just where you are, everyone in this place, I want to invite you to lift your hands to heaven and just worship God. Just say, God, here I am. Use me. Help me. Send your spirit upon my life. Fill me again. I want to receive that training. I want to live life by grace. And maybe if that's you, if you felt like you've been trying to live under the law, maybe you felt guilty for the bad things that you've done. Maybe you've even allowed a little bit of the law. You felt judged. You feel like you're living by a set of rules. Do this and don't do that. And not living by a person. Tonight, just lift your hands and just say, God, rescue me. Forgive me for trying to do this through the Lord, for trying to do this on my own. Tonight, I lay down the rule book. I let go of the law. I let go of what I've tried to do in the past. And I say, come and guide me. Come and show me where to go. Come, Holy Spirit, on my life and give me the guidance that I need in my situation, in my life, in my circumstance. Show me how to live like Jesus lived. Show me how to live a perfect life, a life without sin, a life without shame, a life without guilt, a life without insecurity. Come and destroy the lies that I have received in my life according to the law, according to the devil, and replace them with your Holy Spirit. Replace them with your Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and move in this place just as the music sounds. Just lift your voice and cry out for the Spirit in this place. Just lift your voice and cry out. The heavens open, let your kingdom move. All the things.